Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. How's everybody doing today? You guys doing good? Great to see you. Come on, let's welcome in all of our locations right now and perhaps some of you are traveling and so you're watching online. Let's welcome these people in as well. Everyone that's... uh, part of the experience today, and we are so glad that you're here, and uh, before I get into the message today, I just wanted to say one more thing about Serve Day that will be here before you know it on July 15th. It's so, so important that you register for Serve Day. Now, when you think of Serve Day, you know, can I just show up, and yes, lots of people just show up on that day to serve. However, it's so, so important that you register, even if you're still kind of like, well, I might be out of town that weekend or whatever. If you think there's any possibility that you could be there, because I know eventually you're going to change your plans, right? Because you want to serve your community. So, but what I'm saying is if there's any possibility that you're going to be there, it's better that you register, even if something comes up and you can't make it. And here's why. Because we have hundreds of outreaches planned. Almost all of those outreaches require supplies. We want to have enough t-shirts. We want to have enough equipment and resources and tools and supplies to finish these jobs and and allocate the people correctly. And so it's much better to have uh, more supplies than we needed than less because we can always come back and and serve again and so forth. Is everybody following me? But what we don't want to do is, you know, just a, a, a ton of people don't register and then people come and we don't have enough supplies uh, or, or the proper people allocation to do these outreaches uh, with excellence. And that's what we want to do, right? We want to do them with excellence. We're going to make a huge impact. We're going to serve thousands of people and thousands of, of, of well, not thousands of areas, but several areas around the, the city. And so we're really excited about that. Uh, so register. All right. Are you guys ready to get into the word today? All right. I hope you're ready. Just look at someone near you and say, today's going to be one of those days. It's going to be one of those days. We're in a series called Living Large, and I want to read the theme scripture of our series, and then I want to do a little bit of review for when I spoke a couple of weeks ago, and I think I entitled that message, Large and in Charge. How many of you remember that message? You remember the title because you thought it was about you, but we actually, <laughs> we actually realized that, come on, that God is the one who's in charge, right? That we are the owner and he's the stewards. How many of you are glad God's letting you breathe his air today? You glad for that? And, uh, and so what I want to do this weekend is, is we went over five principles of the first in that message. What I'm going to do this weekend, I'm going to kind of pick it up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. So if you weren't here, please go online and listen to that message. I will do a little bit of review in just a second, review those first five points, but then I'm going to add another five. So there'll be 10 principles of the first. And we know what? That 10 is the number of testing, and it's also the tithe is what? A tenth. And so there's going to be 10 principles here that I will have gone over. I'm going to do five Today, So let me give you the theme scripture out of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. How many of you, you want your world to get larger and larger? 
You want your life to get larger and larger. You, you want to be blessed. You want to have, have, have more influence. You want to grow in your relationship with God, and you want to grow over all. Listen, this is, a, this is a promise from God. It is a promise from God. God doesn't just write these scriptures just to, hey, you know, maybe give you some false hope and make you feel good for the day. Okay, this is the real, legit word of God. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Look at someone near you and say, don't be stingy. Stingy people end up living a small life. It goes on to say, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. How many of you believe that? And those who help others are helped. I think most translations say are helped themselves. And we talked about how, you know, when we think of terms of someone, oh, that guy's living large. We, we, we many times think in terms of what we have. But when God is thinking, when, in, in God's economy, when someone is living large, it's, it's really not what they have, but it's, it's how they're living. It's not what they're necessarily living with, but it's how they're living. And I can promise you this, watch this. If you're large on the inside, if you're generous on the inside, if God is first on the inside, the outside of your life will eventually line up. Can you give God a hand clap for that, huh? So, <clears throat> let me pray and we're gonna do some review and then we'll, we'll, on those first five real quick and then we'll get into the next five. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. And uh, God, I just pray that we lean in here these next 30 minutes. Lord, this is, uh, this is powerful, serious stuff that can change lives. And we just give you all the thanks and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. If I had a title for this message, uh, I would call it Unnecessary Trouble. Unnecessary Trouble. How many of you got enough trouble in your life so you want to avoid all the unnecessary <laughs> trouble? <laughs> so that's what we're going to look at today. Let me give you some review from a couple of weeks ago real quick just to kind of catch up to speed. First of all, I'll give you five things here. There's a lot of scriptures that go with these. We brought all those up in the message a couple of weeks ago. But first of all, principle the first, come on, God is the owner and we are the stewards, right? God owns everything. God is the owner and we are the stewards. The second thing is God is first and he cannot be second. It's not that he won't be second. He, he can't be second. And this is what we saw in God's interaction with Cain here. We saw that Abel honored God as first. Abel brought the first part of his flocks. But then when Cain brought his offering, Cain didn't honor God as first. He didn't bring the first part of it. The Bible says it through the process of time. In other words, Cain just kind of waited around and ended up kind of giving God, you know, what he wanted when he wanted and God would not accept or could not accept Cain's offering. And Cain got upset and basically God said, look, look Cain, I, I'm summarizing here. I, I can't be second. If you want me to bless your life, order has to be in place first before blessing can be released. And this is the divine order of things that cannot be changed. And that is this, that Jesus, God, he is the pre preeminence. He is our creator. He is first in the universe. Even if he's not first in your order of things, that still doesn't change anything with what the truth is. God's first in the universe. 
And so he says, how our relationships works is this, is that, that I'm first, I just, I can't accept this, Cain. So we saw that God, he, he, he cannot be second. Okay, number three, the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. Powerful principle that we looked at. God said the first of whatever you have, fruit, animals, your wealth, all that, all this represented income. And what God was talking about, he made a powerful uh, or, or, or unpacked a powerful principle of the first when he said, look, when you bring the firstborn, that belongs to me, that's your offering. You don't know how many more of, this, how many more of these animals you're gonna have, how much money you're gonna make on them, but the first always belongs to me. So God, it's a reminder to keep God first. You bring them the first. God says, Lift. if it's a clean animal, you know, like a lamb, you just bring that one to me. But if it's an unclean animal like a donkey, okay, you've got to sacrifice a clean animal like a lamb for the unclean. If you don't sacrifice a clean animal for the unclean, in other words, you, you break that donkey's neck. You're gonna lose that donkey. Watch. You're gonna lose that donkey if you don't sacrifice this clean animal. It's like you're gonna use it or lose it. You following me? Okay. And so what God says is, look, he pointed out this principle. So you can sacrifice a clean animal for an unclean animal, and then that clean animal can be redeemed. It can stay alive. It can be a blessing. And we saw that that was a powerful type and shadow of who? Jesus. Because we humans were what? Unclean. We were unclean. So God sent his firstborn, Jesus, who was clean, the perfect sacrifice, a lamb without spot or blemish to be sacrificed so that what? We, the unclean, could be redeemed and brought back to God. Come on, can you thank Jesus? And in that essence, Jesus was God's tithe. It goes on, uh, we talked about number four, the first fruits of the first part of your income is to be offered to God as an act of worship through your local church. Lots of scriptures there about bringing it to the house of the Lord, that this is what we do. This is how we honor God as first. And then the, the fifth thing here, and all the blessings that come with that, and the fifth thing here, so important, tithing is the holy expression and practice of remembering God, remembering God gave us his first, and therefore we gladly give our first. Okay, and there's scripture in uh, uh, Exodus, I think uh, 23, 19, or 24, 20, and then also in Hebrews chapter seven, there's a great picture of this when Hebrews in the New Testament talks about the encounter that Abraham had with Melchizedek. That Abraham, this is before the law, before any of this, that there was an encounter with Abraham. We're the children of Abraham, Father Abraham, this high priest Melchizedek who had no genealogy, that no, end of, no beginning or end of days. We don't know where he came from. And in Hebrews it says that this was a type of Jesus. That Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's our high priest. And the awesome thing now is when we give our tithes, we don't give them to men like they did in, under the old covenant and they gave them to the Levites. Come on, you give your tithe to your high priest, Jesus. And here's what happened. Two things happened in the encounter between Abraham and Melchizedek. You know what? They brought bread and wine. What does that represent? Communion that we partook of today. And Abram gave him his tithe. Those are two sacred acts that we participate in the body of Christ that bring remembrance. When we partake of communion, we remember Jesus' forgiveness. When we give our tithe, we remember God is first. One is about remembering forgiveness. One is about remembering God is first. Sacred 
acts that bring the blessing of God and remind us who God is and how much he's done for us. Can I have a good amen to that? Okay, so here we go. Are y'all ready for part two? Part two, are you sure? Come on, we got our big boy pants on today, don't we? Y'all want me to give you a frou-frou message or you want, you want the truth, something that can help you? Okay, someone said frou-frou, yeah, okay. Joshua, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna go to Joshua chapter seven, I'm gonna read you, I'm gonna kind of paraphrase through this chapter and, uh, and we'll pull out some scriptures from it, but let me give you some context here, okay? The children of Israel, um, they're taking the promised land. They're being led by Joshua and they're coming into the promised land and guess how many cities there are that they're gonna conquer? 10. There are 10 cities when they come into the promised land. What does 10 represent? The number of testing. 10 represents the tithe. 10 represents the number of testing. So they're coming into the promised land. The very first city is Jericho. Many of us know the story. You know, they're going to go in. They're going to march around the, the wall. They're going to shout. The walls are going to come down. They're going to come in and storm the city. And so here's what God does. God gives Joshua very clear instructions about this first city. It's the first of 10. So what is it? It's the tithe. It's the tithe. Here's what God tells Joshua. Joshua, listen. All the other cities, y'all take whatever you want. Take all the gold, take all the plunder, take everything that you want. But this first city, it belongs to God. Just like the tree, just like as we've gone over a couple of weeks ago. You see this everywhere throughout the Bible. Genesis to Revelation. First belongs to me, okay? Don't touch any of the gold, any of the silver, any of the spoils, everything. It is an offering to me. It is consecrated to me. It is a devoted thing. And we're gonna look at that word devoted. It was, it's devoted to me. That word devoted, now listen. I'm gonna read it here in just a second in, in chapter seven, verse one. That word devoted, it's the word harem. In the, in the Hebrew, this word is a heavy word. Look at somebody and say, it's a heavy word. This is a heavy word. Harem means it's, it's something that is so sacred or consecrated, it has the power to bless or curse. It's an, it's an irrevocable gift. It also from this word comes the, the Hebrew word bedchamber, like the sacred bedchamber of a man that no other man should ever be in or ever be found in. It's a harem, it's consecrated, it's devoted to that man and his wife. It's a secret chamber. You don't go in that part of my house, do you see? So here's what happens, they go in, Follow God's instructions. Last day, go around the city seven times. They shout. The walls of Jericho start, you know, they come down. They take the city. They're rejoicing, and everything's great. But look here. In Joshua 7, 1, it says this. Put it up there. Joshua 7, 1, it says, But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, just by the way, I just want to say, all you parents to be out there, don't name your child Achan. 
Okay, if you're not familiar, you're not familiar with biblical names, this is a name you want to avoid at all costs. <laughs> Achan, son of Carmi and Zimri, maybe why they, that's why they called him Achan when your parents' names are Carmi and Zimri. I mean, what options do you have? But anyway, the son of Zerah, now we're getting better. Look, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, look, took some of them so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Do you see those devote, that were devoted? Devoted things. That's the word that I just described to you. So here's what's gonna happen after that, okay? So what did they do? Achan and some of these people, what? They withheld the tithe. They withheld what belonged to God. So they've conquered Jericho. Everything's great. They're rejoicing. Now they're gonna go on to their next City, But this city's just a little town. This city's called Ai. And so Joshua, I mean, they just like rolled over Jericho. It was one of the strongest cities. They just roll over Jericho. So Joshua's like, look, Ai, that's nothing. There's only a few people live up in that town. Look, let the army rest. Just send a few thousand guys up to Ai. I mean, look how God was with us and we just wiped out Jericho. So just send a few thousand guys up to Ai. We'll take them, no problem. So those few thousand people go up to Ai and they get routed, 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 routed. Many of them killed. And so the survivors come back. They tell uh, uh, Joshua what's going on. As like most pastors do when God is not moving, they panic. And so what Joshua is doing, Joshua starts crying out to the Lord, God, what's wrong? I don't understand. I mean, I mean, we just defeated a massive army, took a massive city. You're with us. Now here's this little bitty nothing, and we're, 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 getting, we're getting destroyed. What's happening? So look here what it says in Joshua 7, 10, 13. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things, the holy things, the sacred thing, the mind, the tithe, the thing that honors me as first, the thing that shows you that you value me above the other things that you value. Look, they have taken some of the devoted things. Look at this. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been liable. In other words, they're unprotected. My protection, my blessing, it's, it's off of them now. I still love them, but they're unprotected. Because why? I can't be second. I'm God. I must be first. Order must be restored for blessing to be released. He says, look, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. In other words, unless you return it to me, unless you stop withholding, I can't, I can't you, you can't move forward. Look at this. Go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Now listen. Church, listen, sometimes we just have to have these tough talks. Y'all know I love you, don't you? But here's what I also know as your pastor. It's the truth that sets you free, okay? So many people, look, 
you cannot stand against the things and the trials and the, what's happened and the things that are coming against you in your life because you are still withholding what belongs to God and you are not living your life with God truly first. I'm gonna be real honest. God loves you. You're on your way to heaven if you've received Jesus, all those good things. But here's the honest truth. Your life will never move forward the way that God wants it to move forward until you settle this issue because he cannot be second. Are you following me? He wants your life to move forward. He wants you to move forward. Now look at this. Okay, so, so Joshua, he goes out. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. We've withheld the tithe. You know, he goes through all the camp. You know, I guess he rounds up the usual suspects. You know, Achan finds out he's busted, so Achan comes forward. Look at Joshua 7, 20 through 26. It says, look, Achan replied, it is true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia. Come on, you knew something in there from, something had to be in there from Babylon. Am I right? When you see Babylon, you know, that represents the world. There's always, here we go. You knew something from them had to be in there. I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua together with all Israel took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the, uh, the gold bar, his sons and his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, why? Why have you brought this trouble on us? So many people killed. God's favor not on us. Why have you brought this trouble on us? Look, the Lord will bring trouble on you today. Go on. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. That word Achor, it means trouble. But this was unnecessary trouble. All of this could have been avoided if Achan and the people with him just would have not withheld what belonged to God, would not have withheld the tithe. Now I've got good news for you today. Aren't you glad for Jesus and grace? Some of y'all are like, oh yeah, I love the New Testament. I love the New Testament stuff. <laughs> no one's getting stoned or burned if they don't tithe. Okay? <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but let me ask you this. Why do you think God puts things like this in the Bible? 
of all the things that he could have put in there. See, if you don't understand what I'm talking to you about today, especially if you're, you're a new believer, you'll read through this stuff, you'll be like, God, God's kind of cruel. I mean, really, God's going here, he's gonna, people get stoned, people get, 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 get burnt. You, you, this, is, this is why, the Bible says everything in the Bible is for us, for our example, for our learning. This is what God is showing. He's showing you how sacred the first part is. It's sacred to him. It's, it's, it, it has to do, follow me here. It's like the bedroom. It's a, it's a sacred part of our relationship with God. Watch, because it's really not about money, is it? What's it about? It's about our heart. It's about our heart. It's about what we really value what we really honor and who's really first, God or our money. And see, Achan, it's interesting. You think, I want you to think about Achan before all this happened, okay? So it talks about he found all the gold and the silver and, and, and all the stuff. Man, it looks so good. I, I can tell you, come on, Babylonian robe right here, baby. This is the best I could do. <laughs> I'm just not a robe guy. I want you to think about Aiken. He saw that stuff. I bet he thought the same thing people think today about tithing. I mean, God doesn't need that. I mean, God's got all the money. God part the Red Sea. And you know what? That's true. God doesn't need the money. God can make money come from, I mean, he's absolutely right, but he didn't understand, Aiken, this isn't about money. This is about who's first. It's about who's Lord of your life. So Aiken, who, whatever excuses, I want you, you know, I probably got that Babylonian robe on, you know what I'm saying? He got that gold bar hanging on a chain from a, now, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you do, he's like, riding to the club, riding to the club, Boom. <laughs> See, Achan thought he was living large, but he was living cursed. He just didn't realize it. You want to know why? He was wearing the tithe. I wonder how many believers are wearing the tithe or driving the tithe or shopping with the tithe. Are you following me? It's about whose First, and you know the thing about kind of like this robe. It's, it's kind of cold up here. Kind of, <laughs> you know the thing about money. Here's the thing about money. You know, money promises you things that only God can give you. What does money promise you? It promises you security, right? How many of you know money can't really buy you security? It can. It can give you some relief, give you some nice vacations, maybe put you in a gated neighborhood. But it can't buy you real security. 
You can't save enough. You can't put enough away in the systems of this world to have true security. It can all crash and be gone tomorrow. Am I right? What else, what else does money promise? Promises happiness. Money can't buy happiness. It can. It can buy you a nice car. I want you to have a nice car. I just don't want it to be out of the tithe. God wants you to have a nice car. Enjoy your life. But money, watch. Those things can't, if you, if you step back, okay, if you could get into a little psychological analysis for a second. If you could step back and try to think this, what is the need that I'm trying to fill here? Okay? Let me tell you what fills that, God being first. You having the confidence, God blessing your life. Things can't fill that. Things can't do that. So here's what I want to do. I want to go over the, the next five points real fast. I'm going to go like, like a couple of minutes each one, okay? And then we're going to pray. And y'all have been awesome. Come on, I just want, listen. Aren't you glad that you go to a church who will tell you the truth? I will tell you the truth, okay? Number, so here's what, let's look at lessons from making real quick, okay? Y'all lean in because I got to go through these quick. See, y'all are lucky because 1130 service, they just got to stay. They get in, the, they get in the, the long version, okay? <laughs> number six, here we go, the, the next five. Number six, when we withhold the tithe, we are robbing God. That's what God said, y'all, y'all, y'all took from me. You stole from me. Malachi 3.8, we're will a mere mortal. NIV translation, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In what? Tithes and offerings. That's what he told Achan him, that you're, you're withholding it. That's mine. That's my, my it's consecrated to me. You're, you're, if you're keeping it, you're stealing it. In tithes and offerings, look, you're under a curse. Your whole nation, because you were robbing me. Now watch, God doesn't, if you withhold the tithe, God doesn't send a curse on you. What happens though, if you withhold the tithe, you're also withholding God's supernatural blessing and protection from over your life because what? You reap what you sow. Are you following me? So it's not like God's actively doing something to you. It's just you're preventing God's hand from being on your finances. You follow me? And on a lot of other areas of your life, okay? Look, look, look what God says. Bring the whole tithe. Everybody say whole tithe. Not 8.5, not 9.2, but 10 10%, that first city, that first, you just made $100, that first 10 is God's. Bring the whole time to the storehouse, there's your local church, that there may be food in my house. So the, the, the provisions and the, for the gospel to go forth and churches to be filled, built and all that kind of stuff. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Look, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that right there? So, so, so at, at our church, just to let you know, if you start tithing and you say, I want to take the tithing challenge, we have a six-week tithing challenge, 40 days, 40, another biblical number there, a six-week tithing challenge. If you don't see a tangible blessing of God or experience a blessing of God in your life uh, after tithing for six weeks, guess what? We'll refund all your money. Now watch, that's starting now. Don't be coming to our church all, hey, I gave a donation three years ago. Uh, 
I have a different name now. No, we're going to bust you. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of people in our church, maybe thousands, I hadn't looked at them, have taken that talent, tithing challenge. I think we had one person come back, and it was questionable. <laughs> but we refunded their money anyway. Okay. Are you following me? Listen, he will bless you. And if you tithe and you're going through financial difficulty right now, let me encourage you. Listen, it's only a test. It's only a test. In fact, there's so many testimonies. People start tithing and God's blessing all this. And then all of a sudden they get fired. And they're like, man, what's going on? I got fired or I missed my job or I got a decrease or whatever that. You know what was happening? Because now they got under God's blessing, God was actually moving them to a better job where they can get paid more. Some of you... Some of you, you think you're making decent money and you're not tithing. Oh, you start tithing and you wait to see what God does in your career and in your finances. I'm telling you the bump up's coming. I'm telling you those windows are going to open. I'm telling you God doesn't mess around with the first. Mm. Okay. Look, number seven, are y'all ready? Y'all are doing awesome? Come on, hang in there. Look at someone near you and say, Pastor loves me. <laughs> Number seven, y'all know this. You cannot serve God and money. You can have as much money as you want, but you can't serve it. Look, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, let me tell you what that word hate. Don't confuse that word hate. It doesn't mean like, okay, if I love God, then ugh, I can't stand money. That's not what that word hate means, okay? Did, was that funny? I love God, <clears throat> I can't stand money. No, it's not that. <laughs> it's not that kind of hate. So are you familiar with the scripture where, where when God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated? That doesn't mean God's like, oh, I hate, it, the word really just means I, I didn't choose, not chosen, not first, not chosen. He loved Esau, he blessed Esau. But Jacob was who God chose to carry on his seed and his name. Are you, you following me there? It's the same language right there. It just means you, you, you can't, you got to choose one that's going to be first and that's going to be your master. Listen, let me tell you something about money as well, okay? Money is, money is amoral. It can be used for good or bad. It can be used to help people and plant churches and reach people for Jesus. It can also be used for human trafficking and drugs and, you know, all kind of pornography and all that kind of stuff. Money is amoral. Watch. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. So when money, okay, when money comes into our possession, this is why Jesus called it mammon. Mammon was a Babylonian god of wealth and money. It has a dirty kind of a... a, a evil, filthy, or subject to bad things connotation, that word mammon. In some translations actually say you cannot serve God in mammon, okay? So watch this. So money comes into my possession, right? So here's a $100 bill. I don't know who gave this to me, but thank you. I'm gonna enjoy a nice lunch with my family after this. Okay, watch. Who knows where this $100 bill's been? Ever thought about that? Didn't you, isn't there some kind of statistic that like 50% of all money's got cocaine on it? Or did I just read that on the internet and that's not true? Okay, <laughs> erase that off the tape. But you know what I'm saying. 
That would be a lot of people snorting cocaine when you come to think about it. But anyway. But hey, watch. If you ever th- think about this, watch, watch real quick. I don't have much time. Watch real quick. You ever think about where, like when you pull a bill out or whatever, where's this money been? How many drug deals have this been involved in? Was this cash given for prostitution? Was this, you know, in some kind of illegal activity? You know what, what I'm saying? Like what has, so watch, watch. When it comes into my possession, guess what it is? It's mammon. It's unclean. Now it's in my possession, okay? I'm in covenant with God, so watch. How can I make this money clean? How can I take what was bad and make it good? Well, there's a portion of my money, the first 10, that God has declared as holy and his, the tithe. Are you following me? God says, you know what? If I will give the tithe, so just pretend like I had a $10 bill off, the first, off of this hundred. I give that clean portion to God. What, what does that clean sacrifice do? It redeems the unclean. It makes the unclean clean. Are you following me? When the, look, the first portion, that clean portion makes the rest. I'm trying to, come on, dude, dude, dude. I'm trying to make this. Watch, that, that first tithe, I give that to God, guess what? It makes all the rest of my money clean or holy, able to be blessed, able to be multiplied, able to be expanded, able to be used for good. Oh, come on, you can give God a better hand than that. I'm telling you. It's the principle of the first. Awesome. Okay, last three, you ready? Money is one of the greatest visual measurements of what we value. This is why Jesus, this is why two-thirds of the parable about money, this is why one in every 10 verses in the entire Bible is about money and possessions. This is why Jesus talked about wealth and possessions and money more than heaven and hell combined. What, does Jesus have some kind of deal with money? It's God. No, it's, what, what is it about? Money is about, it's the representation of what we value. Okay? That's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, put it up there. Where your treasure is. You're supposed to put up Matthew 6, 21. Have y'all been, have y'all been withholding the tithe? There's something, going, something wrong back. No, no, it's not it. Just take it down. No, that's not it. Listen. Y'all need to tell me if it's going on the sides and not this back screen. I'm up here with fur coats, $100 bills. I'm pre- I, I got, I need, I can't be knowing where everything is. <laughs> For where your treasure is. Look, there it is. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be where? Also. So watch, it doesn't say where your heart is, where your treasure will be. That, yes, there is some reciprocation, but watch this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. How many have ever invested in the stock market, invested in a company? Well, this is Celebration Church. Let me help you out. How many of you ever bested, uh, betted on a football game? How about that? You know, you, 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 I'm, I'm sure it was in your former life. I get it. Okay, so. <laughs> but what happens? All of a sudden, look, look, look. All of a sudden, you don't care about 
the stock market at all, all of a sudden you invest some, your treasure goes into a stock, what are you doing all the time now? What's that stock doing? What's that stock, what, watch. Why, because your heart followed your money. Same thing if you did bet on a football game. You could care less about those two teams. All of a sudden you're just, just sweating bullets that miss the field goal. Why, because your heart followed your your money, do you see? So when we bring God what belongs to him, our heart, watch, our heart instead of following greed or covetousness, which the Bible says is idolatry, our heart follows God and takes us deeper into a relationship with him. Can you put your hands together for that? Last, I'm... Last two, and this is, this is beautiful because I know some of you that are gonna begin to tithe, it's a sacrifice, you're struggling, I understand that, but here's what I also understand. This is your path to freedom. This is your path to freedom. You trust God, you try it, you give it six weeks, we'll, get, we'll give you your money back, but I know what God's gonna do because God is not a man that he should lie. God doesn't lie. God doesn't put all this in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation so that we're disappointed. He puts this in there and requires trust and an act of faith so he can take us into a deeper relationship with him and bless us more than we could ever imagine. That's what he wants. So sacrifice. Let me give you a good definition of sacrifice because a lot of times when we think about sacrifice, we think like in terms of loss or, oh, this is bad or, you know, whatever like that, giving up something. Listen, sacrifice is when we give up something we value for something we value even more. That's what sacrifice is. It's giving up something you value, but for something you value even more. So God wanted from Aiken, I know you value that stuff. Yeah, who wasn't? A lot of money, all that. But I need you to understand that you have to value me even more. And Aiken, in these next nine cities, I can bless you a hundredfold from what you got in your tent right now. That's what Aiken didn't understand. Think about this. Remember when Peter called in the huge, Jesus, the huge boat full of fish? That was literally, you know how much those fish were worth? Any of y'all watch Wicked Tuna, Deadliest Catch? Anything like that? Peter, Peter, oh God help me. Peter, I mean that was literally a boatload of money. What did Peter do? He pulled it ashore, what did he do? He left it and followed Jesus. You know what he realized? Jesus is my source. Jesus can fill a boat with money anytime he wants. What he wants from me is my heart and my obedience. Yeah? Remember the woman? Remember the, so, so now we're in the New Testament. Now we're way beyond the 10%, okay? But we're just gonna start with the foundation. Remember, remember the one with the alabaster jar of, of, of oil? Uh, expensive perfume, they say that was worth one year's. It was worth, in the Bible, says it's worth one year's wages. So in Jacksonville, I think the average household income or it's something like 55 or 60,000, it's something like that. So think about that. That was a $60,000 offering from a single woman. She pours it at the feet of Jesus and guess who interrupts? Oh, stingy, small world, Judas. And you know what he interrupts it with? A religious statement. And that's what I don't like about it. Religious. Oh, what is she doing? We could, we could, we could spend that money on the poor. Judas didn't care about the poor. Well, 
hear that thing. So what are we doing spending money on those buildings? We could give that money to missions. You, you build buildings, you build the church, you'll have twice as much to give to missions in the long term. Let, let me tell you something. With God, this is not an either or deal. He's God. But she's pointing out to you, and, and Peter rebukes Judas. He says, Judas, you don't understand what this is about. This isn't about money. This is about worship. And what she's doing will be told all over the world as a testimony. Her offering, what she brought to me, how she showed that something she valued so much, she values me even more. You don't think Jesus is able to bless her back with 10 of those jars later on in her life? Give 10 times as much to the poor. Zacchaeus returns fourfold. What he stole, it's about what you value. And the last thing here, you ready? Number 10, God doesn't decide how financially blessed you are. You do. I'll say this again. God doesn't decide how financially blessed you are. You do. He's the one that blesses you, but you're the one who decides if you're gonna be blessed and to an extent how much you're gonna be blessed. Let me give some scriptures here. Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Everybody say ability. He doesn't say he gives you wealth. It says he gives you the what? Ability to produce wealth. Look at Galatians 6, 7 through 9. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. That verse seven here, you know what that's basically saying? If you don't believe that you reap what you actually sow, it's like you're calling God a liar and sticking your tongue or thumbing your nose up at God. That's how powerful this scripture is. Whatever sows to the, whoever sows to the flesh to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in well-doing. Look, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Everybody say, I will reap. You sow and then you reap. You rarely reap right, right when you sow. It's a sow and then a reap. Sometimes sooner, sometimes later, but always a great blessed harvest from God that is way more than you could ever do on your own. You follow me? Look. Real quick, a man reaps what he sows. So watch this. How many of you want to receive mercy? You want to receive mercy? Then what do you need to sow? Mercy. Now what Jesus is saying, you know, don't judge lest you be judged. Don't condemn lest you be, he, he's, this is what he's saying. You want to be shown mercy? You show mercy. You want to be loved? You show love. If, if you want to, if you want to have good friends come into your life, what do you need to do? You need to sow friendship into somebody else's life, right? So if you want mercy, you sow mercy. If you want love, sow love. So if you want money, you sow what? Money. That's your decision. But you will reap what you sow. And the last scripture here, and here's the good thing, because it's not the amount that you sowed, that amount is gone into God's supernatural blessing, just like the fish with the multitudes. When they brought in the small basket of fish, Jesus broke it and blessed it, and then he brought it back out. Come on, how many of you know that was a multiplied blessing that fed thousands? Here's what God wants to do as you give to him. Jesus says, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given unto you. 
So what is it, does it say it will be given unto you or do you have a part in it? You have a part in it. You give, now it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over and poured into your bosom. Look at this. For with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. You decide how blessed you are, but here's the great news, okay? You, the measure that you use to give and then God measures that back. How many of you know God's measure is a whole lot bigger than your measure? How many of you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you have a measure. You could say, yeah, this is my measure. Guess what? Well, God's measure on that size is like huge. Here's what I'm trying to say. You begin to tithe, you begin to give, and you watch how God begins to bless you back, begins to lift up your life as you put him first. Bow your heads with me. Father, we just come in the name of Jesus, Lord. God, I thank you for a church, God, Lord, that is mature. God, that understands that every, sometimes we, we have to have these tough messages, Lord, because it's what we need in our soul. It's what will free us. It's what will heal us. Here's all I want to do real quick, okay? Real quick. We have a quick ending here. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I need you to do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Stovall, this message is spoken to me, I'm not gonna say what about or anything like that, but this message is spoken to me and there's an act of obedience that I need to follow up with and I'm committing to that act of obedience right now. I want you to lift your hand wherever you are. Hands are going up everywhere. Hands are going up everywhere. Lord, I thank you for all the hands up. You can put them down. How many of you would just say, Stovall, I just wanna re recommit my life to putting God first in every single area. Would you raise a hand for that? You just need to recommit and put him, you just wanna make a fresh commitment. I'm putting God first in every single area of my life. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I just pray for your people, for all of us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that that first portion is holy and sacred. And God, as we go from here today at all of our locations, God, Lord, no longer will we withhold what belongs to you, God. Lord, we understand, we, we will gladly return that back to you. God, because even though we value that, we value you even more. Lord, we will no longer wear the tithe or drive the tithe or use, the, use what is yours, Lord, for, for, for unholy purposes, God, because we want our finances to be blessed and to be multiplied. We want your favor on our finances, Lord. God, we thank you for your goodness in our life. And God, above all, we remember that you gave your first, Jesus, the clean for the unclean. You redeemed us back to you, Lord. So it's our privilege and honor to give back to you our first because you've done so much for us. Lord, we just give you all the thanks in Jesus' name. Look, if you just need to commit your life to Jesus, I want you to just right now, just repeat this prayer with me. Church, help them along. along. You just need to make Jesus Lord of your life. Everybody say this, and, and there's probably some people in here who might be praying this for the first time. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I follow you as my Lord. You are my Savior. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for everlasting life. I thank you for a fresh start. Lord, you are first in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a big, big hand. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.